Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. As uh, you heard from Caleb in the announcement video, we do have Christmas Eve services this Tuesday, 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. And this is uh, just an amazing time to celebrate Christmas. This is one of our favorite services we do each year. I will say this, we are typically packed for both services. So when you get here, bring your friends, bring your family, and then cram in, right? You're going to be sitting next to somebody that day, right? You might not have your seat buffer when you talk, you guys are like, wait, I like my seat buffer. You can get away with it for, for one of the services, all right? So, but it's 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. And I'll promise you this, this is going to be an incredible time where we're going to hear the message of Christ. We're going to hear a salvation message. So if you have family members that don't know Jesus, if, you've, if you have friends that don't know Jesus, if you have uh, neighbors that don't know Jesus, this is a perfect time to invite them. They'll say yes to coming to a Christmas service because sometimes that's just what we do. But what's incredible is that we can learn that, that Christmas is about the most amazing gift that we've ever given and ever received, and that's the gift of Christ. So make sure, make sure you invite somebody this Tuesday for the Christmas Eve services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. And again, we are right now, we're in the middle of our Christmas series entitled Christmas Lights. And I know some of you, this series has kind of messed you up a little bit, right? You've been jaded, right? I know we're not supposed to judge people, but you've been driving around neighborhoods and judging people based on their Christmas lights. You're pointing them out like attempt level, that's it, right? Rookie level, you didn't even get an extension ladder to put your lights up, right? We probably are doing this in our heads, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry if I messed you up a little bit in the way you're viewing lights this year. But today, we have the most important question when it comes to Christmas lights, right? As we conclude this series, we have one giant question that I think's really one, you've probably been wondering why I haven't asked it yet or not. But the real question is this when it comes to Christmas lights. Do you enjoy multicolor lights or white lights? All right. So in causing some divisiveness in the church, what we're going to do is I just want you to raise your hand if you enjoy white lights, right? Okay. We've got a, a good number of us. And first service, there are some people looking around, like, or looking over their shoulder to, like, justify that their decision was that. So we've got some white light people. Now let's see this. How many of you, how many of you like multicolored lights? It's really about half and half, and it was that way in both services. So... The truth is, we can all get along, right? We can get along. Now, growing up, my house was a white light house only. Like, this is what my dad, he loved white lights, so it was always white lights. In fact, I begged for multicolored lights as a kid. I begged and begged and begged, and I only won out two years out of the 18 years that I lived in the house, right? So, obviously, when we grew up, we had white lights on the trees, we had light lights in the house, and if we got crazy enough and we actually put lights outside, guess what color they were? White lights. So when we got older and I had our own house, I married my wife, and she likes white lights too. <laughs> but we actually get a little crazy, and we, I don't even know if you're allowed to do this, but we mix it up, right? So we have white lights on the outside, and then our Christmas tree has colored lights. In fact, our Christmas tree is one of those trees that was built to appease all people. Apparently last year, we bought a legit Christmas tree. I'm hoping it was like after season because I don't know what my wife paid for it. But right, but it's like legit. I'm putting this thing together this year and like it's amazing. And not only does it have white lights, but it has colored lights. Then it has flashing lights. Then it has flashing lights that go quick, flashing lights that go slow, flashing lights that go from white 
to color. So everybody can be happy, right? It's amazing how that works. But there's just something about light. And through this series, this is what we've been talking about. We've been talking about Christmas lights. And although that question is really not the most important question, because the most important question is regarding the light of Christ. Right? And that's what Christmas is all about. It's the light of Christ. And that's what we've been celebrating. We've been talking about how Jesus is the true Christmas light and how he gives us this light. And his light gives us this sense of peace, of comfort, hope, and salvation. How it gives us safety, right? And that's the light of Christ. In fact, Jesus said this about himself in John chapter 8, verse 12. If you have your Bibles, go there with me. If you don't have a Bible, we always challenge you to download the YouVersion Bible app. Incredible resource. And we have free Bibles out there if you want a paper Bible. But again, in John chapter 8, verse 12, this is really our main passage of scripture for this series. And Jesus, he had been preaching. And then some people had been getting kind of questioning who he was. So Jesus confirms who he is by saying this. He's saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Hey, Jesus is the best of all Christmas lights because he's the light of the world. He's the light for all to see. He's the sense of peace. He's the comfort for everyone. He's the hope of the world. And he's salvation for all who follow him. Right? Whoever follows him has his light and will never walk in darkness, but instead have the light of life. That's what Christmas is all about. It's about the hope in Jesus. It is about the fact that God sent his only son to give us the perfect gift, to live a perfect life, die on a cross and be resurrected so that we could have a relationship with our creator, so that we could have a relationship with our maker, so that we could have hope in him. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the light of hope. So to start off, let me just ask you a quick question. How many of you are excited for Christmas this week, right? How many of you guys have been kind of antsy about it, been anticipating some cool things that's going to be amazing, right? Listen, there's some excitement when it comes to Christmas, right? For some of us, we're excited because maybe our, our family from out of town's coming in. We haven't seen them for a while. Some of us are thinking like, oh, my family's coming in from out of town. I haven't seen them for a while. Right? But some of us, we, we're excited about that. We get to see someone we haven't seen for a while. Some of us are excited that we get to go travel and maybe we get to see some family and we're the ones traveling for, right? Some of us, some of us, we're excited because we have a sweet gift that we've been hoping for. Let's just be honest, right? And now, as you get older, the gifts that you want change. I know last year I was talking about how my gift that I really wanted, that I was hoping for, was a, sharp, a shark robot vacuum cleaner. Like, that's how you know. Like, but anyways, I got it last year too. And it was amazing for like a two months and then it quit working on us. So review is out. Don't get one. Just saying. But for some of us, we're excited about a gift that we're going to get. And I think... It starts all the way back as kids. I remember as a kid, I remember the anticipation and the hope for Christmas Day. And I remember one year in particular, I hoped for the stereo. Right, this is a big ticket item, right? And I tell you what, I was so excited for this. It wasn't just any stereo, but like this was the stereo that had AM, FM radio. And not only that, it wasn't just dial, it, it was digital. Right? You could push the buttons and you could see the little numbers light up. It was, it was, it was pretty state of the art back in the day. And not only that, but it had dual cassettes, right? This is what I'm talking about. You could tape and tape another tape, right? You could tape stuff from the radio. I mean, this took like mixtapes to the next level. Like this, this was like my junior high game. This took it up to a next level. I can make mixtapes for girls and be like, yo, what's up? Made this on my stereo, right? And not only that, I didn't because I knew they'd say no, but no, not only that though, but this thing that I was hoping for, the stereo, it had a single disc CD player. 
right? And wait for it, bass boost. And I remember hoping for this thing. This is one of these years, and this is a big ticket item for me, right? So what we do in the, in the Huffman household growing up, we always had to have our Christmas list in by Thanksgiving. So we hold it there, and I remember giving the list to my parents and being like, okay, I hope I get that stereo. Like, that was number one. And then I, like, left two and three and four blanks just to let them know that I really wanted number one, right? <laughs> so I gave it to them, and then for six weeks, I was left with this anticipation. I was left just hoping for this gift. And then what happens, too, is on Christmas morning, we get around, and we start opening up presents, and my parents had a way of always saving the best present for last, Right, so I mean, they pulled all the tricks. They would hide presents and then bring them out in a different time of room. Like, hey, look, there's one missing. Right, or they often did the the overwrap, where they would wrap over another present and then also put. I don't know why they actually they would rewrap two two things and then my mom would carefully peel off the one layer. They could have just put another tag over it, but they did that sometimes too. Right, but they would always wait to the very end. So I'm having this anticipation for Christmas morning. I'm having to wait to open this big ticket item. Like, this is some real middle-class problems right here, right? So, I remember waiting for this thing. And not only that, but my parents would always, like, they didn't want, they really didn't want my sister to know that I was the favorite child. So, so what they would do is they would spend the exact amount of money on each of us and give us the exact amount of presents just to level the playing field, right? So, they would do that. So, there's a lot of times when I had a big ticket item, I'm, like, opening up cans of Mountain Dew wrapped by itself, Right? I would open up a, a, a box of cereal wrapped by itself. Now, you may think that seems cheap, but that was awesome, right? I liked both of them. Once in a while, they'd wrap some paper towels. I'm thinking, like, what is this? But I knew when I got those things, this, there was this anticipation. It was building up. There was hope. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get the big ticket item. And I'm going to get the big ticket item. And then, yes, guess what? That year, I got my stereo, right? I got my stereo. I even got, like, a meatloaf CD so I could rock it, too. <laughs> I'll quit talking about myself. It's going to get embarrassing from now on. But if you look at it, Christmas time comes with this hope and anticipation, right? And it was no different during the first several Christmases as well. If you look at the first several Christmases and the first Christmas, Mary and Joseph, they had this anticipation about the birth of Christ, right? They had hopes for him. They had hopes for who he was going to become. And it wasn't just Mary and Joseph that were expecting, right? They weren't the only ones with this anticipation. There were others as hopeful as well. There was a whole entire nation of people that was hopeful for the birth of Christ. In fact, for 700 years, there have been prophecies about this, this king, this new ruler that God was going to send, right? They'd been waiting for God to show up. They'd been waiting for the Prince of Peace. They'd been waiting in anticipation for their Savior. And they'd been waiting for someone to bring them back in connection with God. It was a hope that they were clinging to. Right? They were waiting for God's plan to come into fruition. And we see this in the beginning Christmas Christmas. We see this in the first one, in the beginning ones as well. And we see it with the Magi, the wise men who came after Jesus' birth. And we see this here in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, which we're going to read today. So if you have your Bibles, flip with me there to Matthew chapter 2. And in verse 1, it says this. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Right? The, the Magi, the wise men, they had this hope. They had heard about Jesus. They heard that he was born. And they saw this light that was leading to him. And these guys were guys who actually, they were very educated. They were guys that, that studied the light. They studied the stars. 
So they had heard things about Jesus. They had their studies that they knew about, and the two were matching up. So what in them, it built up this hope that they were going to go see this king of kings. And they had this hope, that, and it wasn't a hope in just something fleeting, but it was a hope in Jesus Christ. And here's what I want us to understand. Jesus is the true hope of the world, nothing else. Jesus is the true hope of the world, nothing else. See, for some of us, we could have hope in things, right? We could have hope in that great present that we have that we want this year, that big ticket item, but that's a fleeting hope, right? For some of us, we could have hope that this year's the year where we really connect with our family. We're excited that they're coming into town. It's going to be a great time. We could have hope in that connection time. But again, it's a fleeting hope. Jesus is the only true hope. He's the only one who lived a perfect life. He's the only one that was ever sinless. He's the only one that ever predicted his death and his resurrection and then actually followed through and did it and conquered the grave. He defeated all with his love. He is our salvation and he's better than any material idol. He's better than any promise because he's the ultimate promise and he's our hope. Jesus is the true hope of the world and nothing else. But just like any hope, there's always some obstacles. There's always some hope stealers. If you think about it, there's things that can always come in the way of, of what we hope for. Right? There's things that will always stand in the way and try to get us a little bit distracted. Right? If you look at it in the beginning, in one of the beginning Christmases, it was this guy named King Herod, who we learned a little bit about last week. But check this out. Check how he tries to steal their hope here in verse 3. It says this. It says, when King Herod heard, that he was dis- heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. Now, spoiler alert, we learned this last week. We kind of started in the beginning and going backwards. But last week we learned that King Herod didn't really want to worship Jesus. King Herod had no intentions of worshiping Jesus whatsoever. But he had every intention of removing anything that stood in the way of his own glory. See, King Herod wanted to kill Jesus. If you remember about it, he issued this order to kill and take out all the boys that were two and under, right? So Jesus posed a threat to Herod. He posed a threat to to Herod's kingdom. See, Herod knew that Jesus was the true hope of the world, and Herod didn't want any part of that. And what he wanted to do is he wanted to rob others of that hope. He wanted to squash that hope as fast as possible. He was clearly a hope stealer. Now, for many of us, we don't really necessarily have something as blatant as a King Herod that's coming and and trying to, to kill our children in our lives, right? I mean, that's, that's a little extreme, but the truth is we still have some hope stealers in our life, right? There's still some underlying things that, that are trying to steal our hope. There's some, still, still some things that are standing in the way from us experiencing Jesus and all that Jesus wants to be to us. There's still some things that are, that are stealing our hope and our hope in Jesus, right? So what I want to do is I want to give us four hope stealers that show up, especially during this Christmas season. And number one is this, apathy. Apathy is a hope stealer. And I really, this is, this is a tough one because oftentimes we don't recognize this in our own lives. But the truth is, some of us, right now we're discouraged. Some of us, we're not hopeful because we, we're apathetic in life, because we just don't care. 
And I think a lot of us, we had this perception that, that Christmas is for the kids. And it is. It's a great time for the kids. And again, I want to thank you guys. You guys did an amazing job. We were able to, to support 100 kids by giving them Christmas, right? Last week, we, we had all the gifts turned in. We turned them into the Salvation Army on Monday. And uh, the families are getting them, I, I think, just starting uh, this past Thursday and Friday, they're getting these things. And you guys did an amazing job for the kids. But I think some of us, we have this mindset that Christmas is just for the kids. Listen, the greatest gift is Jesus, and Jesus is for each and every one of us. And the truth is, we need to come to Jesus like kids. We need to change our hearts, and we need to, we need to start caring. We need to start being passionate again for Jesus. Right? Jesus said it this way in Matthew 18, 3. He said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I think some of us, we're not hopeful because we've lost our interest. Some of us, we're not hopeful because we're not coming to Jesus like little kids, right? We've lost our enthusiasm. We've become apathetic, and it's stealing our hope. Listen, it's an easy trap to fall into. See, the truth is, over the years, there's been times you've probably been let down. You've probably put your hope in some fleeting things. I mean, Christmas is a season where sometimes it can be hard, right? For some of us, this is a reminder of, a, of some hard times, of some, of some things we lost, right? Maybe we've lost close loved ones, right? Maybe we've broken and had broken relationships during this season. And this is a time where, you know, it's, sometimes it's easier just to give up and say, you know what, I don't care, than to actually jump in. And for some of us, we put our hope in the wrong things. And for some of us, maybe we were putting our hope in that Christmas bonus, and we're still waiting, looking at the clock, saying, is it coming, is it coming, is it coming? Guess what, it might not come. And so maybe this isn't the first year it's done that, so what do we do is we just, we just don't care anymore. We get apathetic about certain things. Right? For some of us, maybe, maybe you're single and you're just waiting for the right person. And you're putting your hope in the fact that maybe that person that you've had your eye on for a while will finally look back, but they never do. Right? And so, you know what? This becomes easier just not to care, not to try. Right? For some of us, maybe we're putting our hope in our kids making good decisions and they keep making terrible decisions and terrible decisions and terrible decisions. So it's easier just to give up on them. For some of us, we're hoping our parents will make good decisions, right? But they keep making mistakes. They keep letting us down. Our loved ones keep letting us down. So sometimes it's easier, it's easier for us just not to care. Because the truth is, the truth is hope sometimes can be exhausting, especially when it's in the wrong things. So what happens is sometimes we became apathetic, and that carries over into our spiritual lives. And the false hopes we put in other people, we begin to realize that the true hope, we think the same thing, so we don't care enough anymore. And we become apathetic, and it steals our real Number one is apathy. Number two is weak worship. Some of you guys are thinking, like, what's that? Or some of you think, like, dude, that might be a little harsh. But understand this. Weak worship steals our joy. Weak worship steals our hope. Weak worship is this. It's half-hearted worship. It means that we're holding back on God. It means that we're not trusting him fully with everything. Like, we still have a part of our life that we want to keep in complete control of. Like, we, we still have some certain areas that we're like, no, I'm not going to hand that over to you, God, because I still... I got this. This is mine. That's weak worship. That's a part of weak worship. It's not entrusting everything to him. It's not giving him everything that he deserves. For some of us, some of us, weak worship is the time that we spend with him. Some of us, it's our Bible reading. And we're not spending enough time learning about him, hearing about him. That's weak worship. And for some of us, it's robbing us of our hope. And for some of us, our prayer time. Last week, I challenged you, I challenged you just to listen. Maybe for you in your prayer life, maybe you're just getting a, a, 
a list of things and just rambling down, but then you just go on. Maybe God's wanting to talk to you. The truth is I think God wants to talk and he wants to stir each and every one of us. But our worship's a little weak. We don't slow down enough to listen. For some of us, that's why we don't have hope. That's why we're in a struggle right now. It's because we have this weak worship. And for some of us, maybe it's just our legit worship time, right? Maybe we don't sing. Maybe we don't listen to the lyrics. Maybe we're not letting it stir and really resonate within our hearts. It's weak worship. Again, it shows up too. It shows up in disobedience. Disobedience in our lives is a form of weak worship. So think about it. Is there an area of your life where you're not walking in obedience? Is there an area of your life where you're not taking a step of faith? Chances are there may be something that God's told you to do and you haven't done it yet. What that is, is weak worship. And if you haven't done it yet, you're going to be a little discouraged. You're going to be a little discouraged. You're not going to have hope. It's robbing you of hope. Weak worship could even be false worship as well. It's hard to have hope if you have hope in the wrong things. And that's what false worship is. It's hope in the wrong things. And as crazy and as far-fetched as this may seem, the truth is some of us are living with idols in our life. There's some things that we're putting before God. There's some things that we trust above God. There's some things that we rely on to make us feel, whether to feel good, feel valued, feel special, feel loved, feel satisfied, right? There's some things that we're trusting God to do that for us that aren't him. And what it is is false worship. For some of us, we're looking for our jobs to fulfill us. We're looking for our careers to fulfill us. It's false worship. It's weak worship. And it's letting us down. It's robbing us of hope. For some of us, maybe we're even looking to our families. Listen, families, jobs, those are all great things. But it doesn't deserve our worship. They don't deserve our worship. And for some of us, that's what we're doing. And what it is, it's weak worship. It's weak worship and it's robbing us of our hope because none of those things, your job, your family, your material items, none of those things are even worthy of placing our hope in. Jesus is the only one that's worthy of placing our hope in. Jesus is the only one worthy of worship, right? Because he is the true hope of the world, nothing else. Weak worship robs us of our hope and so does selfishness. Although Christmas is known as one of the most generous seasons of the year, It's also a season where selfishness can easily creep in. It's a season where we can begin just to think about me, me, me. These are are my presents that I'm getting this year. This is what I want. This is what I I hope you give me. This is my list that I gave you on Thanksgiving and I'm waiting for right now, right? This is it. Or this is my gift to you. Look at this. Look how great this gift makes me look because, I mean, I I outspent you by like $15, right? When we do these things, right? Or it goes into, this is my vacation. This is my time off. I'm going to relax a little bit. I don't want to go with you to see your family. This is my time where I want to chill, where I want to relax. It's easy for to become a, a, about us. And what it is, it's selfishness and it's a hope stealer. It'll rob you of hope. So number three, selfishness. And then number four is this distractions. Right, this, is, this is a big one during the season. Right, there's distractions everywhere you look. There's things that can sidetrack us so quick from really the meaning of Christmas. I mean, family's great to hang out with, right? Gifts are great. All that's great. The shopping spree, all that kind of stuff, going out to dinner with people, hanging out with people, that's all great, but it really is a distraction. It's something that can easily deter us from what it really means to spend time with God. There's distractions everywhere we look, whether it's our schedules, whether it's our finances, whether it's certain people, it's easy to get distracted, and distractions are hope stealers. Apathy, weak worship, selfishness, and distractions— they're our King Herod in our life. They're the things that are robbing us of hope, and they're actually put, taking us from really placing our hope in the one thing that deserves our hope. Jesus, the Messiah. Right? 
Jesus, the baby born in a manger. Jesus is the true hope of the world and nothing else. So imagine, instead of being frustrated and instead of just giving up, what if you had hope to continue on? Right? What if instead of being let down over and over and over again by things, by certain things, what if instead of placing your hope in those things, what if instead of placing your worship in those things, what if you worship Jesus, the one thing that would never let us down, the one who's already conquered it all. Instead of being selfish about Christmas and just making it about you, what if we actually remembered who it was about? It's not even the person across the room. It's not even the person next to you. It's about Jesus. What if we slowed down and remembered these things? What if we remained focused on the true hope of the world? If you look at the wise men, as the story continues on, they give us an incredible example of how to experience hope. So let's pick back up here in verse 9 where it says this. It says, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Listen, despite Herod's attempt, God's mission of hope was not derailed. But instead, it continued on. So not only does Jesus' coming give us this hope, but the truth that God's hand cannot be moved gives us hope as well. So no matter what you're going through right now, no matter what, how hard this season is, God's plan will prevail. And you can have hope in that. Right? The wise men experienced that. They experienced who Jesus was as they continued on. And if you look at all of Jesus' life, even, even Herod's claims to destroy and kill Jesus didn't work. And as Jesus was in the middle of his ministry, right, he had all these people that were trying to, to bring him down, but it still worked. Right? God's plan still conquered all. And we got to have hope in Jesus because he's the only one who lived a perfect life. He's the only one that died on a cross like he said he was going to when he was risen again. So even in the midst of your mistakes, God presses on. And he's fully capable of setting hope in motion. Right? Jesus is the true hope of the world and nothing else. And here's how we experience it. Here's how we experience true hope. True hope. And really, these are the counterparts to the hope stealers in our life. If you look at the wise men, then the first thing they did is they sought after God. So we need to do the same thing. We need to seek after Jesus, right? I think it's easy in our lives to get discouraged. It's easy sometimes just to give up. It's easy just to act like we don't care or not even care because the truth is sometimes that causes less pain. It's easy to give up on the light and just stay in the darkness, but the truth is we have to continue on. Right? To experience hope, to experience Jesus, we have to seek after him. If you look at the wise men, right? they understood things about the light. They understood things about the star. They heard things about Jesus. They put them together, and then they put them together. They sought after him. They continued to seek Jesus, and we've got to do the same. Right? We've got to seek after Christ. Right? This Christmas, I want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't give in, but continue to seek after him. Maybe for you, maybe that means you spend more time this Christmas season in, in reading the Bible. Right, we push the Bible app every single week, not because it's cool and you can put it on your phone, but because it's actually practical. There's actually reading plans and devotionals out there that you can read. Listen, if you're struggling with something, instead of just flipping through the Bible and thinking like, oh God, just show me what to read today. Jesus wept. Okay, God, I'm going to cry now, right? right? No, instead of going through that, what if you actually went through and put in what you're struggling with? Maybe it's some family issues, right? There's devotions that you can go through, you can read, that can encourage you through it. I want to challenge you. Maybe for you seeking after him is spending more time in the Bible. 
And maybe for you, maybe it's actually like reading the Bible before you open Christmas presents this year. And maybe it's a, being a, and, and bringing that over to your family. Instead of before you open Christmas presents, before you have Christmas dinner, sit down and read the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Read it and then actually listen to it. Right? Maybe even study it as well. Study who Jesus is. In fact, our next series, we're actually going to be spending some time looking at who Jesus is. Like from January all the way to Easter, we're going to just jump in and we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about his ministry. We're going to talk about his teachings and go over his parables. We're going to talk about some of the healings and the miracles he did. We're going to study him. So maybe for you, maybe for you to seek after Christ is to make a commitment to be here every single Sunday to learn about Jesus, to learn about who he was, to learn about his teachings, to learn about his miracles, right? To seek after him. Because when you seek him, you'll find him. When you seek him, you will find comfort. The prophet Jeremiah said this way in Jeremiah 29, 13. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And for some of us right now in this season, for us to experience hope, we just need to seek after him. We need to seek after him with all our heart. Number one is to seek. Number two is to worship. If you look at the wise men, they sought after Jesus by following the star. And then the moment they saw him, it says they bowed down and worshiped. And the wise men came and they worshiped and adored the Messiah. And if you think about it, this is actually pretty crazy to think about. Because these wise men, again, these are some scholarly people. Like these are some, some upper class level people. Right? So here's some people that like were well respected among society. They're coming and the moment they see the baby, what do they do? They fall down, bow down, and worship what that is, is a sign of adoration. It's a sign of reverence. People at this status level don't typically do that, but they knew that this was the response that they have to have when they come in and they encounter who Jesus is, when they encounter the King of Kings. And the truth is we have to have the same thing as well, right? This should be our response. This should be our response to the promise that God gave us through Jesus. Right, This would be our response when we experience the grace and the mercy that God gives each and every one of us to Jesus. It's adoration. It's reverence. This is a humble king that came to restore our relationship with a holy, faithful God. We owe our lives in worship. We owe our lives in service to the king of hope. And not just a weak worship, not a false worship, but a strong and powerful worship. A strong and powerful worship in the one true God and the one true Messiah. John 4.24 says, God is, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. We're called to worship in spirit and in truth. Think about that. In your life, do you worship him in spirit and truth? Or do you hold back some? I think for some of us, we're holding back on the spiritual side, right? We're all reserved and all put together real nice. And then some of us, we're holding back on the truth side. We got our little secrets here that we don't want to give to God. We're going to keep those all nice in there. But God wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. I don't want to challenge you to experience this hope. Worship. Right? Worship, maybe for you, maybe that's just by singing. Listen, what would happen if on Sunday mornings, as a congregation, we were louder than the band? Right? That would be amazing. Listen, the band's, the band's good. Let's get to him. My band's good. But I'll be honest, you guys are better. Right? It's, it's pretty amazing. When I'm up here 
And I'll tell you one, there's one corner that's better than the band ever will be. This little corner right here is amazing. When the kids are up here worshiping, Sarah's told me multiple times, she's like, I can't even look out because when I see kids raising their hands and worshiping and I hear them, she's like, oh, dude. She's like, it's just, it's a glimpse of heaven. Listen, we need to be worshiping in spirit and truth. We need to worship and have strong worship. That would be amazing, right? That's what it would look like. So I want to challenge you, sing a little louder. I pray a little harder. Thank him a little more. Right? Give him a little more praise. Go further in your worship than you've ever done before. Maybe for you, maybe that's for you to be a hand clapper and not just at the end of the song. Like, No, what if you actually got a little crazy in the middle of the song and clapped your hands too a little bit, right? I want to challenge you. Be worshipful, right? Worship in spirit. Be an amen shouter. Amen. Let's try that again. Be an amen shouter. Amen. <laughs> worship in spirit and truth. And again, make it real. Listen, make it real. Mean it. When you worship, mean it. And make it a part of who you are. Listen, make it a part of your personality. The amazing thing about God is that he created us all, and we create us all differently. But he uses these differences as a form of who we are. He uses those differences as a way for him to be worshipped through us. Right? So worship him in spirit. Worship him in truth. Worship him in who you are. And real hope is actually a byproduct of worship. So I want to challenge you to worship. Number three is this, is the give. The wise men sought after Jesus, they worshiped him, and then they gave to him. And Matthew 2, 11 says, they, then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Right? These are not ordinary gifts. Right? I'm pretty sure that if you have a niece or nephew that's like two years old or so, they're not asking for frankincense, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What these are, these are gifts that showed who Jesus was. These are gifts that showed that Jesus was the king. Gold, just like it is today, was a precious metal, and it actually had extreme value. Right? Frankincense was a form of incense used to create aromas around a ceremonial worship, showing that Jesus was one that was, that was able and needed to be worshipped. Right? Myrrh was a type of oil, more specifically an anointing oil, given to Jesus to show that he was the anointed one. What these were, these were gifts for a king. And through their giving, the wise men experienced and I want to challenge us to do the same thing. Right? Let us give gifts that are fit for a king. Right? Let us be generous. Right? The counterpart to selfishness is generosity. Right? And we need to be generous like the wise men. For some of us, our extravagant gift is our gift of time. Right? For some of us, we need to use our time to, to help others. And for some of us, we need to use our time to, to connect with others, right? to uplift others, to encourage others. I want to challenge you. Be generous with your time. For some of us, our generosity stems from our talent. For some of us, we have some incredible talents here. For some of us, we have the talent to maybe connect with students. I want to challenge you, use it. Use that. Give of it. Jump in our student life team. Listen, we need help in our student life team. Jump in. If you connect with students, jump in. Maybe for you to, to jump in our kids' life team. Maybe you can connect with kids. Maybe you have patience. Listen, use it, right? Maybe for you, maybe you have a gift of fixing things. You can jump on our, our facility team. Maybe you have a gift of making people feel welcome. You jump on our first impressions team. Maybe you have the gift of, of nerding out and being on our tech team, right? Whatever it is. I challenge you. I challenge you to use it. Right? Use your giftings. And then maybe for you, maybe for you to be generous is actually just is giving financially. Listen, the truth is God's blessed some of us financially and blessed us, some of us, to, to be able to even make money in incredible ways but we need to be generous with it. Maybe for you, maybe you're like, man, I don't really know where I fit in all this kingdom stuff. Like, I, I just like working a lot. 
Listen, maybe you have a gift of generosity and giving financially as well. I want to challenge you to do it. Give. Number three is give. Number four is to stay on course. So you might be pretty good at seeking them. You might have that one down packed. You may be even a worshiper. You may be even crazy and clap in the middle of songs, right? That's cool. You may be generous, but maybe you just feel still, still feel a little bit like, man, I'm just not really hopeful. Maybe for you just to keep going, right? Keep on keeping on, right? Stay the course, right? Don't get distracted. Don't give up, but keep moving forward. I want to challenge you to stay the course. Don't go back to the things that steal your joy. If you look at the wise men, they didn't go back to King Herod. In fact, They went a whole other route to bypass Herod because they knew he was a hope stealer. For some of us, we need to stay the course and that means we need to reroute around the things that are stealing our hope. We need to to move and get in different directions and get away from people that are taking us in and and allowing us to become apathetic in our life. For some of us, we need to to remove the distractions in our life. Right, we need to get rid of those things. For some of us, we just need to, instead of going the same path every single time and being frustrated, we need to reroute so that we can stay the course and take that route right to God and to remain in him. Jesus says it this way in John 15, four through six. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. If it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Listen, to have hope, to keep hope, you have to remain in him. You have to stay the course. Maybe for you, maybe for you to stay the course is to place some people in your life. Maybe for you that means just jump in a life group. I say it every week, jump in a life group. Why? Because that's where relationships are built. And we can only go so far, we can only go so deep on a Sunday morning, but I want to challenge you to go a little further, right? Connect in a life group, jump on a serve team so that you can connect with people. Maybe for you, maybe for you to stay the course means that you allow somebody in your life to keep you accountable, to ask you the hard questions. Listen, it's got to be somebody you trust. It's got to be somebody that has your best interest in mind, but I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to stay the course and allow somebody to keep you accountable. And maybe for you to stay the course is simply just countering some time in with God. Right? Put God in your schedule. Right? Continue those spiritual disciplines of praying, of reading, right? uh, of journaling, of even fasting. Maybe you've never done that before. We'll talk a little bit about this when we talk about Jesus. But maybe for you, just put some spiritual disciplines in and keep doing it over and over and over again. Staying the course. Remaining in Him. When we do these things, we experience His hope. Jesus is the true hope of the world and nothing else. And we put our hope in Him. We put our hope in somebody that ultimately doesn't disappoint us. Yeah, we still may get bummed out along the way. There still may be some struggles here and there. There still may be some some hope stealers that come up. But when we put our hope in him, know that our hope is validated. Because Jesus already won the war. Right? The victory is already his. He doesn't disappoint. We know the end of the story. He conquered death. And he conquered it with love. So it's time for us to seek after him. It's time for us to to give him the worship that he deserves. It's time for us to give and to stay on course because Jesus is the true hope of the world and nothing else. If you would, pull out your connection card in the seat back in front of you. Maybe you're here today. And maybe for you, maybe you've never experienced that true hope. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. 
If you're here today, I want to challenge you, and I want to give you the opportunity to make that decision. What you can do on that connection card is you can simply check mark the box that says, I want to make a commitment to follow Jesus. I want to make a commitment to accept the true hope of the world. If that's you, check mark that box and to believe that God loved you so much that he gave you the gift of Jesus, that this is what this Christmas is all about, the fact that he gave his son for you. Believe that and then accept his forgiveness for your sin. Maybe for you today, maybe you've accepted Jesus, but maybe for you, you just this has been a rough season. It's been a rough Christmas time. Maybe you're not really hopeful. You've been discouraged a little bit. That's not I want to challenge you. Maybe for you, maybe God's asking you to seek after him a little bit more. If he is, write it down. Maybe God's asking you to, to worship in spirit and in truth. If he is, write it down and do it. Maybe he's asking you, maybe he's asking you to be generous in some area of your life. Listen, if he is, do it. Maybe he's asking you just to continue on. Maybe he's saying, you know what, you're so close, but keep moving forward. Whatever it is, I challenge you to write it down and then begin to live it out this week. There's also a place for prayer requests where we would love to partner with you in prayer. We'd love to journey with you, and that's what these connection cards are all about. It's our way to journey with you. So if you would, fill that out, and in just a moment, Seth will be up to explain the next steps. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church Podcast. If you were here today and you were listening, and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening, and that God is asking you, to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www.mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.